0: Uh, Keep recording. Keep I am. <laughs> Ross has only had seven drinks. Of water. Of water. Actually, that's yeah. more. you need more water than that. You need eight glasses of water, so yeah. you are behind. It is 8.20 at night. 9.20 at night.
1: All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome. This is Gin and Sometimes Whiskey, and this is Amber.
0: <laughs> and this is Hannah.
1: And we have to shake it up a little bit and switch around our content calendar for you. So today, we're going to be talking about Jen in the 20s, but not 2020. Not no, even not the glamorous
0: one. No, <laughs>
1: not even the awesome 1920s. We're going to be heading no. it back to the 1720s. Where, is that where Jen began? I'm not sure, but I'm going to find out. Hannah's going to teach me.
0: I, I am. Like minimal amount. Like the most spark notes. If spark notes didn't spell check, this is how much knowledge you're going to get, Ross, and listeners. I'm excited. I'm excited. So first of all, though, we
1: really, really want to acknowledge how amazing it's been to watch all the distillers and spirit makers really across the globe spring into action and help their communities, help healthcare workers, help first responders, and really honestly showcase your entrepreneurial spirit and figure out what you need to be doing today to help keep your business going so it will be here in the months to come. So shout out to all of you. Um, I'm in Indiana and I know that we're just having awesome distillers with Colonel Spirits, Hard Truth, Hotel Tango Whiskey, um, and a few others. And I know
0: Hannah's in Chicago. Yeah, we've got Koval here. It's cranking out hand sanitizer. Bar Hill out in Vermont is doing their own good work. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredible. And obviously if you create a business that's able to be focused on community, it makes sense that you would adapt. Um, but I think this is super impressive. So congratulations yes. on adapting so well and um, quickly, but also like a huge, huge thank you for keeping uh-huh. our first responders um, safe. It's yes. huge.
1: All right. So let's talk about another time where there was probably a virus going around too. And if I could interject yeah. here, if you will, yes. I'm going to take a note out of some of the true crime podcasts I listened to. And do an asterisk disclaimer, Hannah, if you don't mind, because, you know, my government worker side is coming out. Just
0: to say – That's the only side, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, more of a circle. It all comes back (laughs) to your government days. But, yes, I I appreciate your asterisks to protect us from liability and risk. Um, Go ahead. So my asterisk really is both of us,
1: I feel like, deal with times of stress and trauma with humor. So that's probably how we are going to approach talking about COVID-19, probably even the situation that we're going to talk about in the gen and the 1720s, because life wasn't great then. So I just want to say that if that would offend you, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to, because again, (laughs) we, our coping mechanism is sarcasm, gen and Fun and um, yeah, and sarcasm so Jen, Jen Jen
0: coats so sarcasm, it's all like we said in our last podcast. Did we say like it can be negative but keep it fun? Yes, <laughs> we said that. Is that should That's that just be our theme?
1: Gonna... Do we just claim that as our theme right here, right now?
0: I got that tattooed on my butt this past week. I did ah. it myself actually because I couldn't go outside, <laughs> like myself. <laughs> Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, but worse because it's permanent and I might have done Just <laughs> kidding. I found my face like a year ago, so I don't have deadness. I got a shot. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about, yeah, some hefty things with 1720s. Um, We've been into the 1750s. So if those of you who have strong feelings about history, I'm doing my best to kind of go through this without getting too much into it. I give huge hats off to everybody in the UK who has researched this in a big way. So here's some of my sources and they are fantastic. Check them out. So the book of gin by Richard Barnett, um, which is much more lighthearted than the title sounds. It's a great little tour de gin um, from like the early days in, in the Dutch Geneva vibes um, onto what we're at. We're at now. Also gin colon, the much lamented death of Madame Geneva by Patrick Dillon. Really good, talks about the gin craze as well as talks about a few different aspects of gin in society that I think is nice. Uh, Drink Like a Woman by Jeanette Hurt. Jeanette Hurt's also a lovely author who has great cocktails in that book, but she discusses some early cocktail mixing reasons and also why women get ignored. So please check that book out, it's great. And then I, I'm really heavily on health, hygiene, and the rise of Mother Gin from the british library um they have an online article and it's pretty serious everything else that i talk about if i'm directly quoting it i will reference it i can provide this in apa or mla style because yes i worked in an academic <laughs> journal for a while <laughs> i know that was why you guys tuned into this so you're welcome i refuse to do what is the columbia style cambridge style that i got no time for that i don't even know how that works so uh-huh. my sources
1: I've never even heard of that, and I'm not an uneducated person, so
0: I think we're good. <laughs> not, also, not uneducated. That's another t shirt we'll be coming out with soon. Not real smart, but not uneducated. No, actually, <laughs> I it's probably brilliant, it. but she just like disclaimed her not um, super educated thing. Okay, so Ross, to prove how um, educated you are, 1720s. What are some things that you think are happening around the world at this time? Colonialism and the oppression of all people from the British Isles. That's that's the answer for like 400 years at least (laughs) of history. (laughs) Thank you for solidifying that it was, and yes it was, indeed still happening in the 1720s. So I will
1: say probably most of my 1720s knowledge outside of America would be... (laughs) So bad. Um, <laughs> probably from <about>, like, <laughs> British historical pieces. So thank you,
0: the BBC and Masterpiece Theater. But that would be most of my knowledge base. No. Um, middle 1720s would like, smell-o-vision times five. Um, so a few things that are happening in the 1720s that don't involve romantic comedy, but are sweet, kind of sweet, actually. Vivaldi composes the Four Seasons um, Violent Concertos. Oh, I love that. I didn't realize that was from know. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives me like I feel a little bit better. I know what that sounds like in my head. I think, which probably is actually the William Till Overture, if we're being honest. <laughs> he, I'm like, yeah, no, no actually, that's not right. Um, Catherine the Great um, has become Empress of Russia. Okay. she will usher in huge changes across Russia. I, I watched one um, episode
1: of that on HBO. So I guess I have one other TV piece that I know. It happened exactly like that.
0: The uh, Gujin, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. The Gujin Tushu Jisheng was an immense Chinese encyclopedia that was printed. Um, and it was printed using copper-based movable type printing, Wow! which most of Europe wouldn't get around to doing for mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> so while you could like look up on everything you needed to know in parts of East Asia, the rest of the world was dealing with gin and ginavir, mm-hmm. which brings us to the gin craze.
1: Yes, which leads us which, to 2020 eventually. Yeah. Because we're having a no, gen, gen Craze happening right now.
0: This is like, yeah, the, the Gen Craze we have now is like a, like the funfetti cake of Gen Crazes. The Gen Craze of the 1720s is like Stewart Rats in a weird way. Okay. It's like it's like production-wise, yes, I'm with you. Production-wise, this was a great idea, but consumer-wise, this is not good. It's oh, like, what now do you I'm think really interested so you have yeah.
1: innovation and in production, bad yes. consumer product, but you, being
0: used for med- medicinal reasons, not recreational reasons, correct? It starts as medicinal, okay. becomes recreational, and then just becomes, like, debilitating. So that's fun. The, what do you think would be the drink of the time? How do you think you would re- get your gin? Oh, terms?
1: how I would get my gin?
0: How would it be served to you? Oh, uh, in a warm pitcher if you were lucky it would be in a pitcher it would probably be poured from like a big tub so it's kind of like an american bourbon issue right mm-hmm. when you have things that are opaque you can't really see what's in it and you can't really do any quality control and you definitely can't have any the consumer has no control mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so yes it would come from any unknown substance it'd be poured into a cup probably or if it was real bleak you would like put your head under sad keg stand of gin, um, for a tuppence and get your, get your fill. So yeah, so it would be room temp. It was unregulated. There's a bunch of things that were added to it to improve the flavor that have nothing to do with herbs or juniper.
1: And your readings or research, did you
0: find what, what the flavor profile was at the time? So, um, Richard Barnett in his book basically says like, so juniper was considered a medicinal herb. Like lavender. Mm-hmm. This is a great idea. So it would have been flavored with some juniper. And if you got good stuff, it's ethyl alcohol basically flavored with juniper. Mm-hmm. It, so they were drinking
1: hand sanitizer. So let's bring it back to mm-hmm. today. Yes. Hand sanitizer. Oh, totally. With juniper something in it. But potentially. Yeah.
0: Like in gin was like the catch all. It was like the way we say like white lightning right or whiskey uh, even yeah. before whiskey was regulated right when whiskey was not has always been a term that means anything so it could have been flavored with sulfuric acid this is or, just scary to ask if it was like yeah lead if lead was part of the production or heavy yeah metal. so lead would have been included in it you probably would have gotten a little bit of lead in there um mercury. you definitely would have had some probably not mercury because that would have been a little bit more expensive but it could have leaked into it definitely some weird acids hydrochloric acid which is deathly um was sometimes found it so you would have people just like literally dying of drinking the gin they were they were given um so yeah not tasty not good so if you wanted to drink along with this episode here's the drink i would suggest and we'll give you the recipe for this later it's a hot spiced gin and apple punch from craft gin club um they're cute little oh they're awesome i love their instagram Yeah, they're adorable. Hot because you don't want anything served cold, right? You can't chill anything at the time. You probably want to heat your water pretty high because it's not clean, which is why we're not – nobody's really drinking a whole lot of water. And apple because it's one of the the more native drinks to the U.K. Mm -hmm. Um, But gin is not originally from the U.K. Vermouth also doesn't become a thing as we know it until about the 1780s. So fortified – wine-ish yes vermouth that we would pair with something I'm trying late 1700s yeah. so another 60 years to go yeah it wasn't around yet no it was like it was still like in the works like monks were making fortified wines and mm-hmm. aromatics but so yeah so the reason that gin becomes a thing in the 1720s Britain's starting to get together. It's like ag sciences, right? We're getting over the Middle Ages. We're getting over the plague. I know I'm brushing over like 200 years of history and saying both of those things. <laughs> so we're we're getting better at making food. We're not getting better at medicine or dealing with the strife of daily life. Like at the time, like liqueurs, so like fruit-based liqueurs, Madeira, rum, these are a bit better used. They're also more profitable right? You can make mm-hmm. them very nice and sell them to high class clientele. But when you have a surplus of wheat and corn, you make crap alcohol.
1: Mm. Yeah, That's, you're right. That's very similar to the U.S.
0: Like yep. we kind of did the same thing. George Washington, huge mm-hmm. plantation. We'll talk about that shenanigans when we get into a vermin episode. Basically brought over some Scots to be like, hey, how can I use my extra stuff to make something actually delicious? And so um, you have that. You also have this crappy alcohol, but which is a really good vessel for tinctures so you can suspend basically anything in it and sell it for more as medicine. Which, okay. You know, like some hippies still do that today. Yeah, today. Like it's like essential oils, right? Like some stuff maybe it's useful. Some stuff it's just like crap. Mm-hmm. And at this time definitely nobody can tell the difference. So Ross, my first fun question what do you think are some maladies that could be treated by a dram, a shot or so of gin? Oh, Headaches? Yeah, skin disease? <laughs> not typically. But there was a lot of syphilis, so very scabby and or losing like appendages, but not one that I saw. A cough. Yeah. So uh, issues with the humors, which sometimes would be expressed what in coughs. What about brain diseases? <laughs> no, but I feel like you've watched enough mysteries. it all comes back to a brain disease. <laughs> You're like, You're, yeah. yeah. I watched a procedural, and there was an
1: injury. Um, <laughs> that that was showcased in an older murder story that I recently listened to. You are cool.
0: <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, so here are a few that I thought didn't really make sense. So strengthening the kidneys or the bladder. What? Yeah, not exactly liquor's best suit there. Huh. Um That's Hypochondria. Yeah, so it like, hypoch- like, calms you down so you don't actually think you're sick anymore. Oh, well, um, a that's, fever. The, that's the ethanol, alcohol, or the heavy metals. Yeah, oh, yeah the heavy metals too will also sedate you heavily, potentially cause brain damage. And Ross can talk to you about that in the next procedural podcast. Constipation, which I think is interesting. Gin does the, fixes this, but rum does not. And it might have to do with the sugars, but I feel like sugar might actually have that. I don't know. Gout. Oh, Which, the gout. I had a friend that had, I had, a friend that had gout. And I, it's still a modern problem.
1: Well, what is he, Hannah? How did you rescribe him? A coworker? A Your co-worker.
0: coworker. He's not a time traveler. He very much lives in today's <laughs> I mean, world. I mean, he's he sure did he a he partner, work. but that's not how you would say that. that yeah, there's a lot of over involvement. And the fact that, yeah, I think, I feel like you could, you would have helped him walk to some ap- apothecary to get some gin for his gout. I would. His gout was,
1: well, he said it was due to genetics, but it was directly related to the amount of whiskey that he drank.
0: Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Dark liquors, gin, like vodka, clear liquor typically means that you're not going to have as much of an issue with uric acid buildup in your body.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, or so. <laughs> like I would justify and tell myself
0: clear liquors is like water and calorie free. <laughs> this has not been tested, but it's one of the Ross theories. Along with-
1: <laughs> it was just self-talk to make myself feel better. That's it. Yeah. But I
0: mean like you weren't you didn't have gout. You don't have gout. Yeah, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. We we have to be like check <laughs> not a lot of people are checking that off in their personal wellness review, but they should be. <laughs> they should be. Do you know what it's like to explain to a room full of
1: attorneys of a global corporation? Sorry. My colleague will be here in about 10 minutes. He's walking from his office and he has gout. I've had to do
0: that. (laughs) See, I'm like a picture of your coworker walking in like a colonial reenactor, right? Like he's got like buckle shoes and like a long vest and like the weird slouchy pants. But he no, he probably came in in dark wash jeans and um, dad shoes. Uh no no <laughs> suited up Republican he was suited up he was suited up but still not a time traveler did have gout in the so here's my leads me to my next question Ross so we talked about how like it's not really regulated obviously it's distributed and sold on the cheap corn and wheat prices at the time were pretty low can, I can ask be distilled you a fairly about easily
1: how it was sold so Jen I'm assuming it would have been at mm-hmm. your corner market. Like
0: in your market, your farmers market. So it could be anywhere. Remember, because it's not there's not like a liquor license regulation really. Like there are pubs. Houses. That's what I'm saying. It really um, wasn't sold in pubs though, right? Since this was medicinal. Well, yeah. Like you could get an apothecary, for like a tincture or some maybe some a nicer gin. Mm-hmm. You get like crappy gin at a pub. You could get. Unknown quantities of God knows what quality from like people with a cart, like it mm-hmm. was like people would literally roll up and be like, "Eat one jam jam," and just pour it out of some container for not much money. Okay, it was just it was like the, it was like the Girl Scout cookies of the day. Only <laughs> everywhere, cheap. only cheap. always selling cheap and not as cute, right? Oh, like <laughs> you know, so it was like the gym. Hydrox cookie, of an Oreo. The what? Oh,
1: yeah. What is this? You're young. Hydrox? Do you not remember okay. Hydrox? Also, the listeners, Ross is not that old. What versus are Oreos? Cookies? Never mind.
0: No. Is it like an Oreo? We're going to edit Oreo? this entire thing out because I just aged No, myself. no. I like it when you show your age, Ross, because my voice and face are both older than you and you're 10 years older than me. <laughs> so I need to take this when I can. This is staying in it. God it. <laughs> so... Yes. No. Gin is being sold in like really creepy, weird situations—back alleys, um, people's homes. you go into someone's house, and maybe they'd sell you some gin. So
1: um, you know, if it was a way that women of households can make money, since they would be in their kitchen cooking it up,
0: not many people would be cooking it. Uh, like there were there were good distillers and bad distillers, right? So you, mm-hmm. it's kind it's of like, like 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 the U.S. until you know fairly recent. So you had distillers who were doing. Distilling process at least appropriately. It doesn't mean that it was good gin, but it was probably mm-hmm. not poisonous. Selling that to like pubs or sure. pot carry or so they hotels or whatever. Whiskey distillers that were doing gin on the side? No, these were, they were predominantly, I think, just gin. We'd have to ask some of our experts. It wasn't like whiskey takes a lot of corn. Obviously, gin yeah. takes plenty of wheat. So um, they had extra wheat at the time. And remember, we don't really have like the, Corn's native to sure. the Americas, so you'd have to have brought it back to the UK and cultivated it and adapted it to the climate. So there's kind of that whole thing too. So you have like some good distillers, bad distillers. Bad distillers are like yeah, cooking this in back alleys and God knows where. London is the hub for a lot of this really bad crap. So the gin actually comes from the Dutch, you know, right? The Netherlands. So right. that's, that's why, why that called surprised Dutch me a little. Okay. Yeah. So the Dutch actually like made it like, I think somewhat decently because Jennifer had like varying grades. What's his name of orange? Um, I'm obviously great in my (laughs) European history. It's not in a
1: period piece from the BBC and masterpiece theater. So I'm not sure. Yeah, no, this has not been researched.
0: This is not up for a (laughs) BAFTA. But, but yeah, so like from like the Dutch habit, it's kind of available throughout wartime. And then it comes back to the UK through soldiers and people bringing back Mm -hmm. gin as like a wartime drink. Okay. So it's already expected to not be good, right? We're not like bringing back port (laughs) or it's just medicine, strong stuff. It's stronger than beer, which is way more exciting. You know, we don't have like psychedelic drugs. Like there's like, there's not a whole lot of joys and escapism. And from the hard bleak 1720s, we'll take what we can get. And what we can get is crappy, crappy gin.
1: Well, I mean, it's
0: better than nothing, Hannah. It really. Yeah. No, like, I I get it. Like, I read about, you read about the lifestyle of people at the time, and it's just insane. I read the, I'm going to mispronounce this, the Gloucester Journal in the 1720s. And, like, here's one thing that happened. Uh, June 10th, Bristol. a (laughs) A collier in the city got very drunk coming up towards Kingwood, rode over a boy of 12 years old, and killed him on the spot. Oh. The corner inquest brought it as a willful murder. The man wrote off and it's not been heard of since. End of story. Like these random horrible deaths and injuries mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it's like two sentences and it's like that's the end. That's it. This is so relatively normal. Yeah. Seven twins, great, great time to be a cat. Plenty of rats. Nobody really cares what you do. Not the best time to be a human. Yeah. In my opinion. Mm, yeah. It would be I wrong. don't know. It'd be rough. It'd be rough for everybody, but, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so here you go, Ross. Here's your next question. According to my British Library article, by the 1730s, how many locations in London were openly selling gin to the public? Mm -hmm. Here's a hint. The population of London at the time was potentially at most 700,000 in
1: 1730.
0: Mm, I'm going to say three hundred and thirty two. Hundred and thirty-two. That's, so, that's so specific. It's like you're guessing the number of jelly beans in a, in a jar. Yes, that kind of plus. <laughs> 6,000. Stop. Yeah. That's you know what? Is funny is that I almost like, said
1: 7,000, like, just, just divide it by tens, right? Then I was like, no. That's, yeah, that, that would be crazy.
0: Be <laughs> it's got to no, just be 6, a couple 000. of hundred. Yeah, no, that would make more sense. Six thousand. Wow. So this is the this is the gin craze, right? We have crappy gin, yeah. people are dying, oh, and people are getting drunk. It was
1: almost a just uh someone selling gin per like a tenth of the population. So what what's the back math on that? So one per seven
0: thousand? No, one per yeah. ten thousand. Well, if you but remember you're counting a uh, you're counting adults and children. But also some children drank gin. So what
1: age did you start drinking that? You were young. If we you were using I it mean, for
0: does not say you like it's me, Ross. And <laughs> I lived in the seventeen twenties <laughs> when I was five years old showing I'm, up at the apothecary. I mean, you, like I need something from my gout. In the general sense. Okay. So let's just do some some demographics math on a podcast because people love this. Okay, so let's do some. So my 000. back let's math was right.
1: Hannah, I can only do math in the millions. <laughs>
0: I know, Ross. I know.
1: It's Republican um, math. I'm sorry, listeners. It just that's how they taught me. Can um, I say that? So let's Should we say, keep that
0: in, Hannah, while you're doing your math? You can decide on how you feel about that. <laughs> okay. So let's say that 420 we'll do 60% of the population is a gin drinker, right? There's still some people that are teethole. There's some people that are like not on board.
1: Oh um, yeah, because that would have also been the rise of the
0: Puritan, Puritan movements, right? Well, not exactly. You have teetotalers at this time who are like teetotalers, like all out. And there's some Mm -hmm. who are just like, I'm okay with drinking as long as it's not poor people. Mm. So let's take out, let's take out like 40% of the population, just like this is just guests. So 420,000 people, um, 6,000 to 420,000, that's one per every 70 people. Wow, that's insane. It's crazy. That's kind of where you get the idea of like there are so many places to buy gin and none of it's regulated and as a government person you will appreciate this the government's not making much money on it
1: oh no got to make right? money
0: off of got to make money off those vices yeah if you, you don't, have to pay for infrastructure doing? somehow yeah and by infrastructure we mean there's no sewage system no roads <laughs> hardly any bridges <laughs> definitely not an NHS <laughs> but we're going to pay for it we're going to pay for those ships because we have to keep exploring because we've ruined the city we call home. Okay. So that's kind of why we, ha- the gin craze is not just the consumption, but also the proliferance of it. And I mean, so that's like you that's, that's just London. That's just London. And like London is like the epicenter of the decision-making around this craze or mm-hmm. so it seems. I don't think like the books I read, like there are plenty of outposts in other cities that are, Really heavily soaked in gin, (laughs) but London is like the hub and it's like the problem area, right? That's where you have the most crowning, that's where disease spreads the fastest, that's where you've got kind of the harshest conditions without any sense of context, right? People are still coming to the city, still trying to make it, but you don't have that sense of, oh, I have this family to fall back on. It's like, no, it's just me. Oh, I lost my job, or oh, I can't, whatever. I'm just going to go drink hmm So that's mass. But back to so back to the gin. Um so 1729, we've got our first GIN Act um that kind of put some regulations in place. So Hina, is the regulations
1: yeah. really from taxation standpoint? Like the government wasn't making money, they saw an opportunity to make money, or was it from a public health standpoint?
0: Yes. So I think like at it start when it was first coming in. Jennifer was kind of, kind of medicinal, kind of just your everyday drink. Toward the start of the coming out of the 20s, the 1720s, it is a substance abuse problem on a huge scale. Okay. We're not just talking like genetic alcoholism that we recognize now, which is obviously a huge obstacle for a lot of people, mm-hmm. needs to be addressed and is a serious illness. We're talking like Londoners had never seen something that could get you so drunk so fast and no one was prepared for it.
1: Oh, so like the Coke? Um, Cocaine of the 80s,
0: 1980s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If cocaine was available everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> if every single person could, could find cocaine and could afford to buy cocaine. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, you have people dying left and right. Um, one murder that really brought this all to a head is in 1734, Judith DeFore, who had a, like a hard life, live an easy life by any means. She worked at the workhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, her daughter also lived at the workhouse. And so one day she comes to pick up her daughter in the process of picking her up. She's like, the girl has new clothes. They go out for an afternoon. She's like, yeah, I'll bring my daughter back to the workhouse. Um, be fine. Judith comes back later. She's definitely been drinking and there's no kid after she, um, has issues with like drinking at work and people are like, okay, what's, what's going on? Um, she's like, oh Yeah. This guy, like, I, they made me do it. I'm like, what? They go and find her daughter is dead in a field. She strangled the daughter in order to sell her new clothes and buy gin. Oh, no. Yeah. This is like the second of three or four pretty big child deaths related to gin. Oh, dear. And everybody's like, oh, dear God. Mm -hmm. We've got to fix this. Yeah. Which brings you to. So, the Gin Act of 1736. Um, We've seen obviously some crazy things happen because of gin, and parliaments like this uh, got to stop. So, what they decided to do is they decided to tax the sale at retail. So, 20 shillings to a gallon. Okay, it's a chunk of change at the time. And you can get a license, an annual gin selling license, but it's 50 pounds. Holy cow. So yeah. what would that Two be? Which ones for me now would still be a lot. Like I'd be like, I'm not buying a pair of jeans for that much. So I don't know what the, the conversion rate would be. It's not like seven to $8,000 in today's I was going to say 10000 or something. These are not established business models. <laughs> like it's like no. I have a stall and I sell gin. And sometimes I have milk and potatoes. You know, guess how many license of these licenses were purchased?
1: Well, if there were 6000 Distillers, approximately six thousand
0: locations to purchase gin. Oh, unknown okay. numbers of distillers. And is this what you're asking me for? For London or for England altogether? We'll say London because it's probably where it's most likely enforced first, or meant to be enforced first. Mm-hmm. Brighton. Okay, fine. Yes, we'd Brighton for the sake of your ex-husband. Yes, he doesn't live how many pods, so we're good. <laughs> He's too busy writing a book no one will read. It's fine. How many licenses for us? Tell me this. You're literally chewing on a pen right now trying to think about this.
1: I am. I'm trying to do the math. First 1300.
0: First day, 1300. Do... Lower.
1: 11.
0: Lower. No. No. <laughs> two. Two no. licenses were purchased. But of the people that were selling directly, the retailers, only two licenses were purchased, everything else, because they couldn't afford it, and they just literally, like, there's no way, everything else went underground. Oh. Which is kind of the exact opposite of what you want, right? Like, yeah. you want to be able to monitor the population and make sure that things are going okay. And instead, we now have, like, black market sales <laughs> of a highly toxic substance. Yeah, so you did see like a drop in locations that were selling, right? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like the guy selling stuff out of his cart was selling it. it was signing it, but like looking both ways to see if a cop was coming mm-hmm. first. A lot of stuff, yeah. Like so, like there's like this whole thing that like this guy was selling gin out of like a house, and you like would like have like a passcode. Other people were selling them like through drawers. Like, convenience store kind of setup thing it was like, it was weird and we can get into that that's a whole another episode of weird but yeah so everybody was like fine we'll get our gents on away. wow
1: yeah so we're talking about so then later true addiction
0: alcoholism
1: issues because it was yeah so yeah cheap,
0: so right it was so cheap and so remember this is again like a as with any substance a classist issue right mm-hmm. rich people had no problem having gin brought to them by someone who was not licensed. Sure. It was the poor people who had to deal with not only what was like more likely poisonous, but also dangerous situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you get stabbed. I don't know. But if you needed your gin, you got your gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people that are pushing for prohibition are really saying, you know, we've got to take care, like we got to take care of these like lower classes and make sure that you know they just can't hold their liquor mm-hmm. where you have old, like, rich people who are fine just puking off their balconies onto the poor people below them. <laughs> so. Same as today is fine. Yeah. Same as today.
1: Do it today. Not a whole
0: lot different. Um, and so around this time, um, William Hogarth, who's an author, uh, not author, an artist and engraver, creates two prints. Um, one's called beer street and one's called gin lane. Um, I feel like our UK, audience will probably know this pretty well. Americans, like, check them out. They're, like, kind of entertaining and kind of tragic. Beer Street, everybody's, like, happy and joyful and, like, kind of jolly looking. And Jim Lane, you have, like, a woman with syphilis who, like, drops a baby downstairs, and this wow. guy with ribs are hanging out, and I'm like, it's just, yeah. it's a scary scene. You're um, right. It's com- completely classist. Completely classist, but also still a problem, right? Nobody's sure. dealing with the problem. The problem is, everybody has a terrible life and does know how to handle mm-hmm. and instead of saying like oh like where does Normans we'll start with that you know if i go mm-hmm. biblical or whatever like no and they're like we still want you in the factories we still want people coming to the city we still need the industrial revolution to happen <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm
1: curious did you, any your research because I know scurvy was an issue then even if you were not a
0: sailor do you think mm-hmm. did they use this to treat scurvy at all no, because a lot of, until you get into like the Victorian era and the gin palaces, which we'll talk about in our next episode, you really don't have a cocktail. So like American cocktails are a thing from the start, our get-go. Mm-hmm. 1700s, you have woman bartenders, woman public like innkeepers who have kind of crap cider, and mm-hmm. they're doctoring it up with a bunch of other mix-ins. Um, the gin is just being sold like straight gin maybe you would add some beer to it. Mm-hmm. But this is like, this is bleak. So people like to get good gin. It's like nicely flavored. Maybe they add it to wine or kind of like a punch. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're just buying it straight up, you're getting just like room temp in a cup. Got it. Until you can't drink any more cups and you pass out. Mm-hmm. So that's, so that's like 1730s, right? Late 1730s, 1740s. Gin act of 1751. That's when they, the government finally figures out, like, okay, we've got it. This doesn't work. <laughs> and everybody's like, this still isn't working. We still kind of have a problem here. Nobody's really dealing with it. They're like, okay, fine. We'll lower the annual joint selling license from 50 pounds to 10 pounds. Which is still a shit ton of money, correct? It's still a lot of money, but it's way more manageable. Sure. Particularly for places that have like a hotel and they sell gin, or, you know, like if you've got other sources of income and you want to sell gin in addition to it or okay. vice versa, bring people in for gin and bring them in for whatever else, 10 pounds is doable. So people start buying licenses, which kind of cuts down on the black market. They also started enforcing these rules in the late 1740s. And you see the price of wheat going back up in the UK. So gin is no longer cheap. I see. It's findable. You can still. So it's still cheaper. Than a lot of things but there's a, a scarcity to it mm-hmm. um so then it kind of wanes a little bit mm-hmm. you start to see gin kind of become it's no longer more like our people. other liquors yeah yeah like you have like rum you know like it's not as crazy gin is still like the big kind of gin is still like the leading liquor and UK forever i think yeah. <laughs> from what i could read i mean but, i assume it, i'm assuming it still is today right yeah, yeah. And gin mm-hmm. never goes away. But gin becomes less of a mainstay because, mm-hmm. frankly, price like, points. it's its price points. And it comes back to, you're starting to get in time. Like, London has, like, you know, a road or two mm-hmm. <laughs> that's passable, not just for the rich people. So you start to see stuff like that. But, like, yeah. So the gin craze happens. Child mortality rates go start to go down. General quality of life starts to go up mm-hmm. a little bit for so the 1750 right we're still not into a great period of history for health but yeah it just basically is like a flash in the pan i would say of the gin crate like it seems so insane to look back on it and be like for multiple decades london from some people's perspective was completely unusable as a city Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was like you just had so many people that were drunk and um, messed up on gin that you just like couldn't handle um that is that just like
1: I would not, I did not expect that at all. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, and like, and also remember, we're only relying on the people that were writing at the time, right? A lot of our people that have pretty fascinating perspectives are illiterate. So um, we don't get documents from them. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is all skewed hugely dramatic, right? Like we've got the detailers are writing a lot um oh, have, like, it still, still could be a class means. issue yeah yeah it's still a class thing right and um so it seems very dramatic is it that dramatic i don't know but kind it makes sense though yeah like you kind of see it, and you're like yeah i could see how a chance to escape from a really terrible life could be alluring mm-hmm. and it could be a problem for a lot of people Right. There's a lot of different ways to have a terrible life. (laughs) But in 1720s London, there's quite a few more. (laughs) Well, I just think about
1: it. I mean, we even have that in today's society, right? Whatever you have access to that you believe can treat an illness that doesn't make you feel really well, like forget mental health, but just, you know, general aches and pain. And this is the cheapest thing that you believe will Mm -hmm. help you. Yeah. And you're
0: beyond poor. Yeah, and it is like for uh, a goodly portion of the population in some ways it's addictive. Mhm. Like that's a huge issue, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like it's it's like you get to watch when I mean, looking back on this the UK dealing with substance abuse for the first time. Mhm. You don't see that in other countries in a similar way that's as relatable. Yeah. Right. Like the opium crisis in China, like that's I don't really Interact with opium, <laughs> mm-hmm. much, thankfully. Um, but Jim, I understand, and mm-hmm. I'm like kind of, um, I don't know, amazed, horrified, mm-hmm. both. But yeah. But again, we get we only get one part of history. There's, there's a lot more there. Um, but you know, we talk about like, oh yeah, if you could go back in time, would you? I don't want to go back to this time. <laughs> no. Like, I'm willing to just say maybe it's a little dramatic. Maybe the gin craze wasn't that crazy and just couch it at that. I don't feel a need to go back to a time when. So, yeah. So, time travelers out there, if you want to DM us, head gin no. I don't want to
1: take a tardish trip to the 1720s. I already know that. No. No. No,
0: no. We want to know, but we don't want to go.
1: Correct. I mean, yeah. we recognize, especially here in the U.S., that we're not going to know a lot about what was happening with gin in the 1720s in the UK no. or Europe in
0: general. Yeah, we can just kind of sit here and like take these great resources and just say, "Wow!" So that has been our 1720s podcast. Okay. Thank you oh, for uh, joining us on I, I learned this amazing history. Yeah. Good. And so um,
1: from here, we're going. We decided to do like the 20s and the 20s. So, our next episode yeah. would be the 1820s,
0: right? Yeah. And then... 1820s is going to be wacky. So, I hope you guys are in for it. In 1920s. But mm. I kind of want to get into, like, obscure 1920s. It's some gen Craze on a different level.
1: That's what I was going to say. I definitely heard today some similarities and parallel mirrors, parallel paths, if you will, to the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And then are we going right. to talk about 2020? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I feel we'll like 2020's are. been such a kick in the teeth to the
0: world. Should we talk about it? Has. It has. If we look at history, though, when, the world, when someone gets kicked in the teeth, they usually drink more gin. There's got to be and a lot of gin drinking going on right now. If you are listening and you have a micro or small batch distiller that you'd like us to highlight or connect people with, yeah. we'll connect them with Brian um, with Hotel Tango. Yeah. We'll harass people via email or call or whatever. We'll let them come on here to interview. We want to do whatever we can to spotlight um, great people doing good things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been Jen and Sometimes Whiskey. And drink your water. Drink your gin or whiskey. And let us know what's going on with you guys.